Good morning, Times Square Church. This is going to be a special day. You are going to be challenged. I'm so excited that you're going to have the opportunity to hear Pastor Mark Batterson from National Community Church in Washington, D.C. That is a church that started 25 years ago. If you want any reference forms to it, it is just a few blocks from the Capitol and a few blocks from the Supreme Court. This is a church that is not just affecting Washington, D.C., but it's a church that's touching the world. God has used Mark Batterson and his books to affect so many people's lives. I could tell you, Cindy and I um, were affected by one of his books called All In. It it was a an exclamation point on us taking a leap of faith in coming to New York City. And I'm so grateful for Mark writing that book. In fact, after he wrote it, I reached out to a friend and said, would you give me Mark Batterson's number that I can reach out to him just to thank him? And little did I know that Pastor Mark Batterson from National Community Church, 25 years it has been in that community, owning land right there in the heart of Washington, D.C., the political epicenter of not just the United States, but of the world. And God has put a Holy Spirit-filled leader and church right there. God has a witness right there in Washington, D.C. And little did I know from a text and a phone call that Mark would be here with us today. Times Square Church, it's so exciting. In fact, I wanna even encourage you, his new book, Win the Day, is something that just came out just a few months ago, and it literally can be a blessing to your life. Mark will probably mention it and talk about it, but every one of the Mark Batterson books that I've read have challenged us. It's just that all in was really what challenged us in our faith. And little did we know from a text and a phone call that we would have the opportunity today from National Community Church to hear Pastor Mark Batterson. Well, Times Square Church, what an absolute joy to be with you today. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, I will build my church. He didn't say, I will build your church. He didn't say, you will build my church. He said, I, I will build my, my church. And he's doing it right here in New York City. He's doing it in Washington, D.C., Listen, we're believing for revival, and I don't care if it happens in New York City or Washington, D.C., we'll just meet in the middle, and uh, so excited, so honored to be with you today. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Zechariah chapter 4. We'll jump in in just a moment. I want to say I have long admired Pastor Tim, so grateful to spend some time with him, with the team here, and uh, a couple of months ago, wrote a book, Win the Day. Here's the bottom line. You have to live in daytight compartments. No matter what goal you're going after, what problem you're trying to solve, what habit you're trying to make or break, it's going to happen one day at a time. And this is not just a good idea. This is a God idea. Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, Take up your cross daily. This is the day that the Lord has made. His mercies are new every morning. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't worry about tomorrow. In other words, yesterday is history. Tomorrow is mystery. Let's win the day. And I'm believing that God's gonna help us do that this very day. And so we'll get to Zechariah 4 in just a moment uh, seven habits to help you stress less, accomplish more, uh, flip the script, kiss the wave, eat the frog, fly the kite, uh, cut the rope, wind the clock, seed the clouds. We will not talk about all seven, but we will talk about one of them. I want to talk about 
fly the kite. On November 9, uh, 1847, a civil engineer by the name of Charles Ellett Jr. was commissioned to build a suspension bridge across the Niagara Gorge. The question was, how do you get that first cable across an 825-foot chasm with 225-foot cliffs on either side? Well, enter a local iron worker, uh, Theodore Graves Hullett, who suggested a kite flying contest. Of course. Well, it was a 15-year-old boy named Homan Walsh who took home the $10 price, managed to fly that kite across the gorge. Here's what happened the next day. They attached a stronger line to that kite string, then a rope, then a cable with uh, 36 strands of 10-gauge wire. It would become the world's first railway suspension bridge, not only connected two countries, but was strong enough to hold a 170-ton locomotive. And it all started with a single kite string. And it always does. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. If we do little things like they're big things, God has a way of doing big things like they're little things. Aren't you grateful that God is great, not just because nothing is too big. God is great because nothing is too small. Now, I know some people who say, when I make more, I'll give more. Well, I appreciate that, but I'm not buying what you're selling because if you aren't generous with a little, you're not going to be generous with a lot. I know people who say I'll serve more when I have more time. Newsflash, you aren't going to find time. You have to make time. And I know people who say when the big opportunity presents itself, I'm going to be ready. Well, not if you aren't seizing those little opportunities that are all around you all the time. And so the challenge is for us to take that first step of faith. In fact, if you're taking notes, jot this down. Faith is taking the first step before God reveals the second step. Sometimes you just have to fly the kite across that gorge and believe that God is going to turn it into a bridge. And so we're going to start Zechariah chapter 4. And verse number six, all set the scene. It's right around 536 BC. Uh, it was half a century earlier that King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army conquered the city of Jerusalem, plundered the temple. And here we are, the temple is in ruins. A man by the name of Zerubbabel has led this remnant, this creative minority, if you will, back to Jerusalem. He's surveying the ruins, and the vision is to rebuild that temple. Listen, if you're looking at ruins, you need a word from God, and that's exactly what happens. Here's what it says. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. I want you to hear my heart today. I don't know that we need another sermon, but we need a word from God. 
And aren't you grateful for God's word? We don't just read it, it reads us. It's living and active. It doesn't return void. In fact, God is watching over his word to perform it. And I'm trusting that somewhere between my lips and your ears, the spirit of God is gonna speak a word to you. More than half a century ago, a uh, Dr. Alfred Tomatis, a world-famous otolaryngologist, uh, if you can spell that extra credit, okay, it's an ear, nose, throat specialist, was presented with the most curious case of his 50-year career. An opera singer had lost the ability to hit certain notes that were within his vocal range, and, and it was a mystery. Most other specialists thought it was a vocal problem. Dr. Tomatis thought otherwise. And so on that hunch, using a sonometer, he discovered that the opera singer was producing 140 decibel sound waves at a meter's distance. That's louder than a military jet taking off from an aircraft carrier. Here's the bottom line. That opera singer had been deafened by the sound of his own voice. He could no longer hear the note, which means he could no longer sing the note. In the words of Dr. Tomatis, the voice can only reproduce what the ear can hear. The French Academy of Medicine calls it the Tomatis effect, and the ramifications are profound. All of us have problems. Yes, relational, emotional, spiritual. And we think that the problem is the problem. But can I suggest that maybe that's a presenting problem? Maybe the problem is ears that have been deafened to the voice of God. We need a word from God. We need to, his voice is life. His voice is love. His voice is joy. His voice is peace. His voice is healing. May we have a prophetic ear that is fine-tuned to the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, many of you live in New York City. Uh, I live in Washington, D.C. There's a little bit of noise these days. Uh, in fact, a lot of white noise. We've got news and fake news. We've got online clickbait. We, we've got algorithms designed to keep us in our echo chambers. And if we aren't careful... God can't get a word in edgewise. But I don't think that's our greatest problem. I don't think it's the voices that are out here. Come on. It's the voice that's in here. It's being deafened by the sound of our own voice. About 60,000 thoughts every single day fire across our synapses. According to the Cleveland Clinic, about 80% of them are negative. Well, what did the writer of Proverbs say? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Can I suggest that scripture is our script cure? That God now is writing his story in and through our lives, but we've got to take our cues from that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. And so this is where miracles start the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Verse six, 
It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Can I make a confession? I have the joy of pastoring a church in Washington, D.C. that the Lord is blessed and and I have the joy of writing books, but I'll let you in on a little, little secret. I'm not sure that either one of those is a natural gifting, but, but here's the deal. God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called. When I was 22, felt called to write books and at the same time took an aptitude assessment that showed a low aptitude for writing. In other words, whatever you do, do not write books. Don't inflict that on the world. Writing is not a natural gifting. So what do I do? Well, when I sit down at my computer, I I don't type with a keyboard. I obey God with it. I worship God with it. And I take my shoes off because I'm on holy ground because I need God's anointing. But this is the good news. The Holy Spirit is the difference between the best we can do and the best God can do. And so I know as a church family, you know, we aren't gathering together. We're kind of all over the place. And so if you're driving right now, let's keep the hands on 10 and two. But if you aren't, Stick with me. Let me see your strong hand. Let me see your strong hand. I'm right-handed, so it's this hand right here. God God wants to use that strong hand. He's the one who gave those gifts to you. But I want to see your weak hand. Let me see that weak hand. Now, God wants to use your weak hand. Why? Because that's where his power is made perfect. You know what? I I look back on my life and the things I appreciate the most are the things I can't take credit for. In other words, they were beyond my ability, beyond my resources, in many instances, beyond my imagination. But that's the God that we serve. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. It was uh, R.A. Torrey who said, If we think of the Holy Spirit as merely a power or influence, our constant thought will be, how can I get more of the Holy Spirit? And at face value, that that seems right and, and good. But I love the way that he flips the script and says, but if we think of him in the biblical way as a divine person, our thought will rather be, how can the Holy Spirit have more of me? Come on, church, the world has yet to see what God can do through one person fully consecrated to him. How much of you does the Holy Spirit have? Does he have your right brain, your left brain? Does he have all the pieces of your personality? Does he have your past and your present and your future? Have you given all of you to all of him? Because that is when it's game on. And the Spirit of God begins to do things that we can't take credit for. How? By His Spirit. Then the word of the Lord came to Zerubbabel. It is not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. Verse 7, a little bit of a plot twist. What are you mighty mountain. Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. The obstacle is not the enemy. The obstacle 
is the way. Uh, habit number two, kiss the way. C- can I tell you where it comes from? It, it comes from something that Charles Spurgeon said. He said, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. Every life is filled with some measure of pain and suffering. And the last thing that I would do would be to diminish what you've experienced. But here's what I know. You cannot spell testimony without test. You have to pass the test. Then you get to the other side and you look back and you see how you've grown in your faith because of it. By the way, the goal of accomplishing a goal is not accomplishing a goal. It's who you become in the process. You have to ask a question. And it's a question that a couple of years ago, my wife asked when she was diagnosed with cancer. And she's doing great. We're on that road to recovery But she read a piece of poetry that posed this question. What have you come to teach me? It's a hard question to ask of cancer. It's a hard question to ask of pain and suffering. But we all know people who have been following Christ for 25 years, but they don't have 25 years of experience. They have one year of experience repeated 25 times. We have to learn the lesson. We have to cultivate the character. We have to curate the change so that we become more and more like Christ in the process. All right, I want you to hear what I'm about to say. There comes a moment when you've got to stop talking to God about the mountain in your life and you've got to start talking to the mountain about God. I mean, is that not what's happening here? What are you, mighty mountain? Who talks to mountains? By the way, who talks to wind and waves? I'll tell you the one who, the one who created them, right? Jesus in the boat stands up and rebukes the wind and says, peace be still to those waves. We have a God who moves mountains. How? With mustard seeds of faith. It was July 2nd, 2016, that our church was in a series called Mountains Move. I was preaching this very passage and I felt a prompting. I felt like God was calling me to pray a bold prayer. And I'll say this, God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor him. And I felt like as I challenged our church to pray a bold prayer, I said, the prayer I'm praying is that God would heal my asthma. Now stick with me. My first memory is an asthma attack. Three years old, woke up in the middle of the night, uh, go into my parents' room, I can't breathe. My dad takes me to the emergency room, shot of epinephrine, my lungs open back up. That routine was repeated night after night after night. Eventually diagnosed with asthma for 40 years. Asthma, severe asthma. I didn't go anywhere without my inhaler. There were not 40 days in 40 years that I had, didn't have to take my rescue inhaler. I slept with it under my pillow. I played sports with it in my sock. I want to tell you what happened. 13 years old, I'm code blue. I think I'm taking my last breath. And uh, two o'clock in the morning, uh, my parents 
place one of those frantic phone calls to the pastor of the church that we had just started attending. His name was Bob Schmidgall, Calvary Church in Naperville, Illinois. And uh, I don't know, he must have slept in his suit because he was there in about five minutes in the middle of the night wearing his suit. And uh, little did he know that the 13-year-old kid that he prayed for that night would one day marry his daughter. It was a moment. It was a moment. Well, after that experience, I went home and a prayer team from the church came to visit and they said, is there anything we can pray for? And we said, can we pray that God would heal my asthma? And God did a miracle that night. I woke up the next morning, Times Square Church, I woke up the next morning and all the warts on my feet were gone. I am not kidding. And I'm, I'm a little confused because we asked God to heal my lungs. And so I'm thinking to myself, is this like the game of telephone? Like somewhere between here and heaven, something got, there's someone somewhere who is breathing great, but still has warts on their feet. Okay, I'm trying to figure this out. And it's the first time I'm 13 years old. And I hear the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. Mark, I just wanted you to know that I'm able And not just able, he's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. I got a word, remember that? We need a word from the Lord. I got a word from the Lord at 13 and I held on to it. Can I tell you that I have not taken a puff of an inhaler in 1,691 days? Well, how how do you know the number of days? Because I count them because it's so miraculous to me. I can't even believe it. God healed my lungs. After 40 years of asthma, God healed me. How does that happen? Well, I started speaking to the mountain. Now, I wanna be careful. Church, hear me. Every prayer has to pass a twofold litmus test, has to be in the will of God and for the glory of God. This isn't about us telling God how to do what he does. This is about us recognizing his grace and his goodness and his power. Listen, the one who created all these laws of physics that govern the universe, listen, he can bypass those laws and do things like he can turn water. He is still the God who makes sidewalks through the sea. He's still the God who makes the sun stand still. He's still the God who turns water into wine. He's still the God who moves mountains. I believe that faith is being activated right now to continue to believe what is that thing that you're praying for, that you're believing for. Listen, I I think the Lord sent me for this one purpose, just to say, don't give up on God. God has not given up on you. Don't give up on God. And so I think sometimes we're, we're better at explaining our problems to God as if he doesn't know what the problem is or, or reminding God as if he's forgotten or, or complaining as if he doesn't care. No, 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 God knows, God cares. There comes a moment where you gotta begin to preach. Come on, everyone listening to this is a preacher. You've gotta begin to preach to that mountain, the goodness of God. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days 
of my life. You have to preach the favor of God. If God is for us, who can be against us? You've got to preach his faithfulness. He who began a good work is going to carry it to completion. You have to preach his power. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, let me tell you why I share that testimony. For starters, Revelation 12, 11, that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. Testimony is prophecy. Testimony is prophecy. What, what do you mean, Pastor Mark? Well, if God did it before, he can do it again. If God did it for me, he can do it for you. And so, listen, I wonder if we've lost some of the power of testimony. Can I, can I tell you what a church is? A church is a community of faith. And what happens is when God begins to elevate faith, how by doing miracles, and by the way, the way you steward a miracle is by believing God for bigger and better miracles. Oh, one more thing. Everyone wants a miracle. No one wants to be in a situation that necessitates one. But you can't have one without the other. And so when we're a part of this community of faith called Times Square Church, you, you, your faith gets elevated as other people share their testimony. And here's what happens. Herd immunity to fear. Herd immunity to doubt. We begin to operate in the level of faith that God wants us to. All right, whatever mountain you face, a third of Americans struggling with anxiety or depression, according to the CDC. Uh, it could be a mountain of addiction, a mountain of anger, a mountain of injustice or unforgiveness, a, a mountain of frustration or even fear. It, it could be a mountain range. There comes a moment where we begin to say, what are, what are you, mighty mountain? Listen, if you measure yourself against that mountain. You, you, you feel so small, but if you begin to measure that mountain against God, now, now we recognize how big, how good, how great God is. Verse 10, do not despise the day of small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Plumb line, kite string, same difference. Aren't you grateful for a God who rejoices over the little things? We put so much pressure on ourselves. And so I want you right now, just take a deep breath, take a deep breath and let it out. You don't keep the planets in orbit. I think that's why God says, take a day off and recognize the Sabbath. It's a reminder that we are God. We, we don't hold the universe together. And I think sometimes we wanna do amazing things for God, but God is the one who does amazing things for us. This is Joshua 3, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow all do amazing things among you. If we do our job, God is going to do his job. And so again, we've got to do the little things like they're big things. And here's the good news. Do you know that a simple smile can shift the atmosphere? 
Do you know that one encouraging word can, can just change the way that people feel? One act of kindness can have a domino effect. And so don't worry about doing something big. Let, let's take out the plumb line. It's an, an architectural tool that, that was used for centering and aligning. And the thing I find interesting is, I mean, they haven't even broken ground. They don't even have permits and God is already giving them a standing ovation. I remember when our kids took that first step. Wow. I mean, you would have thought they landed on the moon, right? Because that's what parents do. We, we have a, a father in heaven who rejoices over those little acts of obedience I want to move towards a close. I think uh, 75% of New Year's resolutions fail within the first month. Uh, And I think the reason is we get a little bit overwhelmed when we think in one-year timelines. You've got to reverse engineer those goals uh, into daily habits and then just do the right thing day in and day out. In fact, here's some good news. The only ceiling on our intimacy with God and our impact on the world is daily spiritual disciplines. And if we keep practicing those disciplines, now we can really have uh, the kind of impact that God wants us to have. 25 years ago, and we'll, we'll, we'll try to land this kite uh, with, this, uh, with a story or two. Um, 20, 25 years ago, we started pastoring National Community Church, core group of 19 people. And uh, our income that first year, $2,000 a month, cost $1,600 to rent the D.C. public school where we met. That left $400 for our salary and all other expenses. And uh, by, by the way, that, that 19, I think, included Father, Son, and Holy Spirit on a good Sunday, okay? It, it, was, uh, it was hard. It was hard. There was nothing easy about it. But you know what? We said we're going to keep flying the kite of faith. We're going to keep doing the right thing. We're, we're going to we're going to practice long obedience in the same direction, and we're going to believe that if we do what they did in the Bible, that God's going to show up and do what He did. And so, three things happened that first year uh, in August of that year. We gave a $50 check to missions. I took a 4.7 mile prayer walk around Capitol Hill. We bought a $400 drum set. Now, none of those things sound exceptional. I mean, maybe the 4.7 mile prayer walk on a hot August day, but those were little steps of faith. Those were ways of us flying the kite. Let me, let me outline those three things. That $50 check, we, we've now taken 273 mission trips as a church. We have a DC Dream Center in Ward 7 that served 55,000 meals last year. Uh, we, we've given a lot of money to missions because that is our heartbeat and we have a conviction. God's gonna bless us in proportion to how we give to missions and care for the poor in our city. But, but how did it start? How did it start? with the first $50 check. And you had to about pry it out of my hand, I promise you. But we made a decision, we're gonna stand on a promise 
Luke 6.38, given will be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. For with the measure you use, it will be measured unto you. And I step back now and I say, look at what the Lord has done. That 4.7 mile prayer walk wasn't praying for property. I promise you, I was just praying for people. I was just, I was praying a perimeter, just like the Israelites who circled Jericho, just saying, God, we want to see your kingdom come and your will be done on Capitol Hill. Well, 25 years later, we own half a dozen properties on that prayer circle, including a city block that was the 1891 Navy Yard Car Barn that is now our Capitol Hill campus. Uh, We're about to open up a 20,000 square foot child development center that's one of the mayor's top initiatives. Well, why why would you do that? Because we're not just trying to build a a church. We're trying to bless the city to the third and fourth generation. We are seeking the peace and prosperity of the city where God has called us. And so I I look at a real estate portfolio, which may, may, may fall short of, of New York City. Okay. But, but I just would have never imagined, but see, When you pray that prayer of faith, God is able to answer it beyond your intellect. Listen, our prayers, the power of our prayer is not dictated by our ability to combine 26 letters of the English alphabet. Aren't you grateful for that? In fact, God hears our hearts more than he hears our words. And so you pray that bold prayer and then you trust the outcome to him. Now I'll end with that last $400 drum set. The first year, uh, I I led worship at National Community Church. Let, let's just say that Pastor Tim did not invite me to come and sing, okay? Because the only thing worse than my voice is my rhythm, and we didn't have a drummer. And so every Sunday, I'm dying up there. Uh, in fact, our predominant prayer the first year was, Lord, send us a drummer, send us a drummer, send us a drummer, Um Save people, but send us a drummer, right? And one day I hear that still small voice. I get a word from the Lord. I felt like God said, why don't you go buy a drum set? Well, my reaction was just as soon as you send us a drummer, right? Because I want God to go first. But what did God tell the priests who were carrying the ark when they approached the Jordan River? Do you remember what he said? Step into the river. See, a lot of us are waiting for God to part the river while God is waiting for us to take the step of faith. What is that step of faith you need to take today? I think for some of you, it's stepping into a relationship with Jesus Christ that will absolutely change the trajectory of not just your life, but your eternity. And that's so exciting to me. I think for some of you, it's just a step of obedience or a step of faith. And it doesn't have to be something big. Again, it's the $50 check. It's the $400 drum set. So here's what happened. I said, I'm going to exercise my faith. I'm going to go buy that drum set. And uh, it was a Thursday. I'll never forget it. By, By the way, drum set cost $400, which was all of our expendable cash. And uh, wouldn't you know it, that next Sunday, a kid walks in, clean cut, could tell he was military. Uh, 
Marine Corps, not just Marine Corps, drum and bugle corps, okay, um, that basically play their instruments for the president of the United States. God didn't just send us a drummer, sent us a rock star, and I learned a valuable lesson. Sometimes you've got to take that step of faith so that then God can make that sidewalk through the sea. You have to fly the kite of faith. And if you fly that kite, you better look out because God might just build a suspension bridge that connects two countries that enables a 170-ton locomotive to go across it. If you do little things like they're big things, God is gonna do big things like they're little things. May his kingdom come, Times Square Church. May his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in Jesus' name, amen. Wow, thank you, Mark Batterson. That was incredible. In fact, I wanna just continue on with just one one clear challenge. When Mark talked about building that extension bridge that connected two countries that seemed impossible, I wanna tell you that there is a bridge that connects two places, from this planet to heaven. From now and eternity, there is an extension bridge. That bridge wasn't founded by a kite. This one is a little bit different. It didn't hold simply a 170-ton locomotive. This bridge was the cross that held all the sins of this planet. The one that died on that was Jesus himself. He was the one that changed everything. That God sent his son to make a way for us to get from heaven, from earth to heaven. When God came and sent his son 2,000 years ago, it wasn't simply sending his son to get you to church. It was to get you to eternity. The most important question we can even ask you today is this. Pastor Tim, how do I get to heaven? Jesus defined it for us. He made it as simple as can be in John chapter 3, verse 3. This is what he said. No man, no woman can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they're born again. Those are Jesus' words, born again. In fact, Jesus said this in John 3, 5, you must be born again, which tells us we can't make an optional, what Jesus says is a necessity, that we must be born again. Well, probably the better question is this, Pastor Tim, then how do I become born again? Because there's some people that are listening to this today that would simply say, well, I was water baptized or I took communion, my first communion, I was christened or I'm a good person. All those things are great, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you must be born again. He was telling us, just as you had a first birth, you need a second birth. As you were born physically, you need to be born spiritually. And that's what born again means. If I can make it as simple as this with for you today, it's, it, goes, it goes like this. It, it would be like telling our children, you need to learn the ABCs, the essentials. Let, let's just take it as ABC. A, admit Admit that I'm a sinner. Admit, it's the admission that something is broken inside of us, that everyone has the same diagnosis, starting with me, and the diagnosis is sin. There's something broken inside. None of us were born a floor model, but assembly is is required. And the only one that can assemble us the right way is God himself. That's what God wants to do. He wants to come down and let us know there is not a promise There's not a priest, a pastor, or even a program 
can fix the sin issue. The diagnosis is sin and it has to be fixed. Or as, that's, as one pastor said, and why this is important, he said, we're not mistakers in need of correction. We are sinners in need of a savior. We don't need a second chance. We need a second birth. How do we get that, Pastor Tim? Well, that's the B word. That's where believe comes in. See, we have to understand that Jesus said, and when he, when he said, you must be born again, he was telling us something so important about this word believe. It's believing that God sent his son 2,000 years ago to become my sin bearer. That it wasn't me trying to be a good person. It was literally God saying, it's impossible. I'm the one who has to carry your sin. I'm going to be your substitute. Think of this for just a second. If me being a good person could get me to heaven, then why would God have to send Jesus? Wouldn't that be the worst case of of child abuse? I'm going to send my son down. He's going to go through all this pain and suffering, but I'm going to ask them to be good. No, 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 no. Jesus dying on the cross was so significant. It was Jesus dying the death I was supposed to die, living the life I couldn't live, and giving me a reward, forgiveness in heaven that I didn't even deserve. A, it's admitting that I'm a sinner. B, believing that God sent his son to die in my place, to be my sin bearer. But C, which is probably one of the most important and misunderstood, it's confessing, confessing him as Lord. That's Romans 10, 9, and 10. That word Lord actually means boss. It means he has veto power. You're in charge of my life. God did not send his son to die on the cross for my sin just so you can give up one day a week. God didn't die on the cross because he wanted your weekends and to ruin your weekends. He doesn't want Sundays. He wants every day. See, religion asks for a day of the week, but a relationship wants every day of the week. That's what confessing him as Lord means. See, that's why, as one person said, Christianity is not coming to a place. It's coming to a person. And today, you have that opportunity to come to a person. Pastor Tim, how do I do that? Remember what Mark said? That we have to treat little things like they're big things. I, I wanna pray what be considered a little prayer, but I'm telling you, it has big ramifications because today can be your second birthday. It could become the day, your born again date, that God begins to come in and change you from the inside out. Well, Pastor Tim, how do, how do I do that? I want you to pray a prayer with me. It's just going to begin to put those ABCs together. And I want it just to come from your heart. Whether whether you're listening in a car, you may be on an elliptical or a treadmill. You may be on a subway or an Amtrak trainer waiting in an airport. And someone gave you a link and said, I want you to listen to this. This is one of those little things that we're going to treat as a big thing. This is the, this is the expansion bridge that is connecting two countries, earth and heaven, that today could be your born again and born again date. Pastor Tim. I want to pray that prayer. Maybe you're by yourself. I want you, if you can, to pray this out loud with me. Maybe you're there with a, a wife or a family member. Maybe you're a single dad that's there with your daughter and your son. You're going, let's, let's do this right. Let's start the journey today. And some of you are saying, Pastor Tim, I want to, but I'm just not perfect. Exactly. Perfect people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And today could be that day. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Come on, say these words with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead 
to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on, say it with me now. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It really, can I just tell you, happy birthday. Today is a brand new day and the beginning of a brand new journey. And I want to just invite you to do one simple thing. Wherever you're at, whether you're watching on a computer or you have a cell phone with you, I want you to text the number 51,000. I want you to text DECIDED to 51,000. That word, D-E-C-I-D-E-D, to 51000. It's going to be on the bottom of the screen. And we want to help you on this brand new journey. I'm so excited. This is a brand new number for you. We've been showing it to you for the last few weeks. But it's, it, it really becomes a six or seven week process that we want to walk you through. When you text that number, the very first week, you're going to get a link every single day that's going to be about a five or seven minute video that's going to tell you what a new aspect is of this brand new journey called being born again is. And then over the next couple of weeks, you'll be getting an email here and a, and a text there just to help you walk on this brand new journey called, called being born again. I am so excited. I'm so thankful for not only Mark Batterson's message, but I'm so thankful that today two countries got connected, heaven and earth. God bless you. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message and be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.